This is a Hoff Studios podcast. There's a cat behind you. I know. Get the hell out of here, Hazel. Wait, um, so when you work from home as a person with ADHD, how do you compartmentalize that? And then I'm going to read your bio, I swear. I'm I'm just stuck in a super boring guest bedroom with nothing in it. And I make sure that my kids are two floors down so that they I can't hear them. And that's the only way I can get stuff done. I thought you, ha- I, I knew you had kids. I didn't realize you have, you had a kid. I didn't realize you have more than one. How many kids Multiple. do you have? Multiple. I have a two and a four-year-old. Oh, you're really in it. I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> You've been, wait, you had a baby right at the beginning of the pandemic? Mm-hmm. March. And then I cut my, ho- I left against medical advice because I was like, I don't want to stay here because of the pandemic. I don't want to get whatever this is. So I left. Wow. It was like the day that the pandemic was happening and they started doing closures. Did you take a maternity leave? Like this has been one big, long maternity leave for me. Like I never went back to work. What do you mean? Uh, You're like doing, I'm doing telehealth, but like I never went back in office. So I feel like my life just changed after Vince was born. Vince. It's a great name. (laughs) He's a Um, great kid. He's a great kid. He's a good kid. Yeah, I have no beef with him. I have problems with my four-year-old daughter who is like all attitude. No, four-year-olds are 100% attitude. And some some, some string cheese attitude. Just Just. garbage. Garbage. What's the point of that? Can we just fast forward a little bit? I mean, or at least like give me the mental... Well, she's three. She's turning four in July. So like she's... She's oh. this is unreal. <laughs> well, okay, so for for I mean, I do think that like having a second like a a child uh, when you're like having a baby when you're a, a toddler, it is really rattling to the system. Just oh in God. her defense, but also stop being so mean to me. That's how I felt so, with my son. Why are you so mean. so mean to me? I'm trying my best. The other day I was like at my wits end and I was like, oh yeah, don't you remember? I, you were in my belly. I showed you pictures. I carried you with me. And she's like, I was in dad's belly. And I was like, oh, I don't even care. You're being <laughs> rude. Get out of here. You're being rude. That never happened. Just that never ever happened. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one more ADHD question. And then I swear to God, I'm going to read your bio and it's yeah. going to be great. But do you feel like your kids might be, might have like a predisposition to ADHD? Is it genetic? And then how do you, how do you parent? I feel like my, my Ness, I feel like my son might have like the beginnings of it. And I'm like, yeah. Oh no, not me and you, not me, not you. This is good. No, what? No way. So my kids, I think it's too early to tell it. And again, like I had a COVID baby. So like neither of them have really experienced school or like I did her first year of, of preschool, but like, even that was so weird. Like it was like, you know, they, they broke up the class to have like 50, 50 so that there weren't as many kids at the same time. And they did like little cohorts. So like, it's not a true school setting. So I don't really know what's going on. Um, and so I think it's too early, but I'm always on lookout one. Cause that's like my whole job. Um, and two, because like, I, it's so highly heritable. So, but the thing is like, if it happens, which it probably will, I feel like an ADHD parent is the perfect parent for an ADHD kid mm. because my, in both of my parents, there is not a, maybe my mom, but my mom is just like kind of wired a lot different. Like if it is ADHD, hers is like strictly inattentive and I'm very much the hyperactive and combined type. 
but like for dealing with my father who his brain works like a grid. Like I've never met someone more analytical and my brain doesn't work at all like that. I felt like we both looked at each other like we were aliens. Like I was like, you don't even, like I can't even relate to what you're saying and this advice is not valid. (laughs) And he was just like, why is this so hard for you? And so I think having an ADHD parent for an ADHD kid in in a way is actually kind of a blessing because you have that inherent understanding of how their brain is wired. And so it just, it just shifts that dynamic a little bit. It's chaos most of the time fully, but like, it's, it's still, it's still, I think at the base of parenting is like, it's always chaos, right? You just have to be, you have to have a baseline understanding and like level of patience with it. And so I think that if you have an understanding for what your kid is going through, it's easier. Yeah. Dr. Sasha Hamdani is a board certified psychiatrist and ADHD clinical specialist. In high school, she founded World Harmony Online, a nonprofit organization serving to create a nonviolent and equitable world with access to technology, healthcare, and education for all. She currently has a thriving private practice in Kansas City. I wish she was in New York City, where she sees patients six years old and up uh, and up. Uh, Dr. Sasha Hamdani also has a robust social media following mm-hmm. on Instagram and TikTok at the Psych Doctor MD, where she breaks down stigmas and provides accessible information about ADHD from the unique perspective of someone who has both been a patient and a provider. Most recently, she was selected to participate in the Healthcare Leaders in Social Media Roundtable at the White House and continues to work on efforts regarding the healthcare burnout crisis with the vice president and surgeon general. Her first book, Self-Care for People with ADHD, will be released this winter through Simon & Schuster and is available for pre-order now. I cannot recommend that book highly enough. I haven't read it, but I have literally scrolled through Dr. Sasha Hamdani's TikTok and Instagram when I feel like, wait, what is my brain doing? And why do I feel so like I don't even understand myself? I will like scroll through your work and laugh, (laughs) which I think is the best antidote to feeling lonely, by the way, is the fact that you offer like these like bits of wisdom through a humorous perspective because then it's like not so scary that you like you can't focus or you feel super overstimulated or irritable or whatever um and so yeah that's our our introduction to my favorite account on instagram i'm so happy you're here thank you so much thank you for having me this is so fun so fun sorry if i like intermittently scream my cat's underneath my desk and she's on stabbing me oh well sorry about that yeah (laughs) how do you keep all the people alive all the people and the cats how many cats do you have so i have two cats um two two little people two cats two little people and a husband who who, you know that's also also it's also involved in the children slash pets yeah um it's 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 weird over here most of the time. It's just oh. fully weird. Where where there's the other one. Um, I'm sorry. So it's weird. like I'm in a like I'm in a wildlife reserve. Um, it's it's just weird over here. It's chaotic all the time, but we're we're making it work. You're making it work. You're making books and viral videos and yeah. serving one-on-one clients. 
Can you tell us what ADHD is? Can you give us some definitions? And you did yeah. mention that there are different types and, and, and yeah. ways that it expresses itself. So ADHD at its base is a neurobiological condition that presents itself with inattention. So difficulty focusing, Got it. hyperactivity awesome. and impulsivity. So it, um, so generally it can be one out of the three of those, or it can be a combination of the, all those. So the, the way that ADHD is broken up right now is there are three different types. There's ADHD inattentive type, there's ADHD hyperactive type, and then there's ADHD combined type, which is obviously the mixture of the two. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it can present differently. Um, and, and so each, each, um, presentation kind of has its own challenges in and of itself in terms of diagnosis, in terms of treatment. Um, so it's kind of important to know what you're dealing with because like, for example, the inattentive type people are, you know, difficulty focusing, difficulty organizing things, difficulty with losing stuff, difficulty with all of that executive functioning kind of thing. Um, but for women that usually goes unchecked because they're not like screaming at the top of their lungs or getting out of their seat or disrupting the class. And so it's important to have all, all the different types on your radar because, um, some of them, depending on the presentation can get skipped. I originally reached out to you because a friend of mine just had a baby, her second baby, and then was diagnosed with ADHD. And it, it was not the first time that I heard this happen. And I know that I, both you and I were diagnosed as children, mm -hmm. which is like special unicorn right over, yeah. right over here and right over there. <laughs> right. But very few girls are diagnosed still. And I, it goes all the way unchecked until after birth often. And I'm wondering what that phenomenon is. So it's a, probably a couple of things, just like what I talked about in terms of, you know, it, it, they're, they're presenting in a non-disruptive manner. So people are, you know, teachers are like, oh, okay, they're doing fine. It's not a big deal. Like maybe that's where their skill set is. And so it, they, you know, they might make reasonable grades. They're not interrupting anybody else. They're just kind of in their own world, but it's not bothering anybody. So then they go through and then when it becomes truly too academically advanced or when there are too many things on someone's plate or when they have to take care of other tiny humans, that's really when it comes to light. And so people are starting to notice symptoms then, and then the difficulty lies in, you know, you get to that point of evaluation they're like, well, you weren't diagnosed as a child, so you can't have it now. Right. That's super frustrating. Another reason that it could happen is that a lot of female behavior gets blamed on hormones, which is miserable. But that's just like kind of where we are uh, as a, and I think generationally, it's getting a little bit more um, talked about with ADHD presenting in females. But for a long time, like if you were dealing with like hyperactivity and impulsivity, especially if that's coinciding at the time that, you know, periods are starting and, and wow. you know, your estrogen is dropping and your dopamine is dropping. And so you're having an exacerbation of ADHD symptoms. Hold on. Yeah. Dopamine drops. Yeah. So that estrogen sucks. and dopamine. Yeah. No. I know. I need I, that. It's, I mean, just being, having ADHD and being a female inherently is just like a sucky proposition, but yes, there is a hormonal variation that happens with ADHD symptoms. And so typically that time leading up to your period and when you're on your period and, and it, it's like a two week period, really, it's like half of the month. You half just of, don't you mean half your life, half of your life. You just don't function as well as you do the other time. And so, just... but, but you mentioned that executive functioning is sort of the, like the key um, tell 
telltale sign, like when you, you can't really deliver on tasks, organize, focus, et cetera. But I also have learned that that is a product of trauma or living in a chaotic environment. And I know like there are people like Gabor Mate and who will say like ADHD is a trauma response or a coping mechanism for a chaotic um, household or life experience or something like that. And I, and I wonder if there's some truth to that or like looking at your face and you're like, I don't know. Uh, I'll tell you. So when, when you were talking about executive functioning, being telltale, the thing about ADHD, there's nothing telltale about it. It depends on the person. It depends on the presentation. It depends on what you're looking at circumstantially in your life. It can look very different. So there's nothing really like if you have this one symptom, because if you have, it's like chest pain, if you have chest pain, doesn't necessarily mean a hundred percent of the time you're having a heart attack. No, you could have heartburn. You could have uh, GI symptoms. You could have rib pain. I mean, there's so many different things. So attributing one symptom and, and hitching it onto a diagnosis is never going to work because it's not a one-to-one correlation like that. But what I'll tell you is that trauma definitely doesn't help. Uh, ADHD, like if you're growing up, especially in younger stages, that neural development that happens as your brain is growing and developing um, is when you start to cement and build good foundations. Well, if you're growing up in a really chaotic environment and you're having to protect yourself from external trauma and things like that, you really can't do that as effectively. Is that a cause of ADHD? No. Mm -hmm. Right. So like what I've always sort of understood, because I think there's probably, like you said, some truth to it, but you know, if you already have like this sort of predisposition to being a sensitive person, to being Mm -hmm. a big feeling person, maybe a more creative person, extroverted, and that, and if the, if your external sort of environment doesn't support that, if you're Mm -hmm. already, I would call it, it's neurodivergent. Is that Mm -hmm. correct? If you're already Mm -hmm. neurodivergent, which is a, a huge, it's helpful in society. It doesn't necessarily mean it's helpful to the person. It's helpful that we all have different ways of thinking and seeing and interacting mm-hmm. with the world. But if we're not supported in that way, the the brain chemistry can go a little wonky. Is that right? Well, I don't I don't think I don't think that if your external environment I, well, that's actually not true because your external environment can affect your brain chemistry. But at, at the end of the day, you're born this way. Your oh, brain wow. it fires this way. This is how you were born. It's not that external things are happening. External things can exacerbate ADHD, but either it's there or it's not. Like when you're born, you have it. If if you don't have it, you don't have it. It's not something that you necessarily develop later. This wow. is something you are born with. Right. So the word, what is the word neurodivergent mean? I just used it just because I thought it was the right thing. It was, it was totally the right word. So neurodivergent, like a history lesson you totally didn't ask for, but this is a term that I want it. I I got it. I got it. it. So in the, in the early nineties, a psychologist came out with the term neurodivergent to encapsulate, actually she was talking about autism, but to encapsulate that it was more of like a social justice movement where it was talking about this is a a term that we can use for these populations to indicate that there's no fault or there's no, it's not that there's a right way of thinking. It's just a different way of thinking. And I love that. And I love the concept of like encapsulating that there's a neurodivergency that you're just wired a little bit differently. Um, So I, I like that conceptually. Uh, what I get uh, where I think that that terminology and grabbing hold of that as strongly as some p- 
people do is that I think that if you are so absolutely like on, on the road, like this is just a different way of thinking. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Cool, man. I would love to think like that. But at the same time, I also feel like there's, there's also avenues that medication or therapy could be helpful. And I don't want people to like completely poo poo that. Like, I'm just thinking differently because life could get a lot easier if you kind of looked at some, and I'm not trying to like, you know, just wash over and make you operate just like everybody does. But like the thing with an ADHD brain is at its core, it's a very fast moving, busy place. And that gets exhausting after a while. And so after, so like with adequate therapy, with adequate, and it doesn't have to be medication, but medication is an option for some people. You can calm down that space and you can function better. So I I think that it just, it's all about your personal journey and, and figuring out what your relationship with that diagnosis is. Yeah. I, um, I had this experience yesterday where I was like, I was fine. I was fine. I was fine. I was fine. And then my kids were totally, they're great kids. And they maybe had like an opinion that was different than mine. And all of a sudden I was like, Oh, the day is over. I have totally become overstimulated. And I really needed to, I like turned on the television, walked away, meditated, napped. I'm not sure what that was, but I definitely laid down. Mm-hmm. And then I came back and I was fine. And I think that that, that is an experience that happens to some people who are quote unquote neurodivergent. Like sometimes the brain just like short circuits and it's okay to admit that that's happening. Yes. And that it's not that fun. Like this, I, I heard you on another pod- podcast saying like, you know, like how people will say ADHD is my superpower is kind of oh, like, barf. you know, it's, t- it's just too, it's just, it's just too blanket a statement. It's not fun. It's not fun no. to be like, I need to like tap out of life because it's, it's too much for, excuse me while I go bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's not fun. If we can admit that like baseline step one and like the 12 steps is that I, there's a problem. If we don't yes. admit that there's a problem, then we're not like open to solutions. Yeah. And I think that's really important. And I, I mean, that's part of my reason of why I have this beef with this ADHD is a super, like, I get it. I get what you're trying to do. Cool. I'm, I'm happy you're trying to put a positive spin, but like, I feel like it's such a toxic positivity. Like, don't, don't tell me that this is a superpower when it actively, my life can feel like it's fully on fire at times. And like, it's taking my whole being just to look a little bit put together. And then you're telling me that this is my superpower. Like, no, I think it's I fun for other people. I think other people have fun with us is the truth. Like, I think like people, <laughs> I think I people know. with ADHD are extremely extroverted. We're funny because we kind of have to be or else we're going to get made fun of. <laughs> or have been made fun of, right? How many times have people been like, oh my gosh, did you send Daniela the link? Did you, did, did you got, do you have the, cause she's going to come late or she's going to, yeah. like, I don't want to come late. I don't want to go to the wrong zoom room. Like I want to be there. Like, <laughs> yeah. so like, I think we're funny. I think we're, and, and then, you know, there, there are people like you who are putting out like amazing content and like, you are productive, you are of service. So it, it could seem like, if we just like look at people who are productive and interesting and funny and uh, extroverted, we're like, well, we could be like that. You can, except there are ways to get there, I think. And it isn't always fun on the inside. 
it's not always fun on the inside and it's not a concept of manifesting. Like I'm not going to manifest that I, I, this is my superpower. And then all of a sudden things are going to change. Like that's insane. And that doesn't work. And it just, like, it makes me upset because I think it invalidates the experience. Like if I look put together, it's because I am working really hard to look that way. So hard. So like, if you're like, this is so effortless, you probably just changed your mindset. And now you think it's a superpower. It's like, no, 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 (laughs) no, it's not because I did that. It's because I work every single second of every single day on very specific parts of my life to make these kind of steps work so that I can present and be present today. So I I just think that it's, I hate it. I just hate it. Well, I hear, I hear you. What are the things that you do and why? Like, why is it important to you to show up the way you do? And what are the things that allow that to happen? That is way too broad of a question. I don't know. I don't have that much time. Um, so what, so what, what do you do to, to show up looking put together? Um, I think it's, for me, the biggest like some of the stuff in terms of getting ready for like, for example, for this, for a podcast, there's so many different steps in terms of being there on time. There's steps in terms of being presentable. There's steps in terms of making sure that I'm in the mental mindset that I can, I can relay this information without just seeming totally chaotic or all over the place. There's so many different things that come into play. And then my solutions or corrections for those, which I have spent years and years and years whittling down and figuring out what works are, you know, in order to show up on time that I need to plan certain things and build on certain habits that I have. If I know that during lunch, I have a a certain amount of time and I could set an alarm during that time. So I know I'm not going to, I know I'll be at this one certain spot and I know I'm not going to miss the alarm so that I know it's time to go upstairs if it's a matter of like making sure that I am not overstimulated, I need to be really careful about my caffeine content. If I didn't have this coming up, I probably would have had a soda with lunch or something else equally disgusting that I shouldn't talk about. Like, <laughs> like I guess coffee at 12, isn't that weird? But like, I, I'm probably so for sensitive most people, to but it's, it's, I think it is, um, hard on it's hard on some people's systems it would be hard on oh, my system also. miserable because like I, if i feel a little bit draggy if it's during like a an off day or a weekend if i'm drinking coffee throughout the day if i'm a little bit discombobulated or i don't sleep well at night that's not a big deal but i knew this was coming up today so i'm like okay i like even yesterday i'm like i can't have caffeine at a certain time uh, because i have to go to sleep tonight so that i can be prepared for tomorrow so it's like you're thinking about things days in advance and trying to plan all these moving pieces, trying to make sure that you're working in good diet, good exercise, all of those things that I feel like for a lot of other people come naturally a little bit more effortlessly. Yeah. You're just thinking about all of these moving pieces at all times, or maybe they don't even need to bother with it. You know, there's some brains that are just like, Oh, I could get there on my husband can get there on time will know, can sign the contract, can read it through. I mean, what can read a contract pages and pages and then understand like what's expected of him. Like on first read, I can't do that. That's okay. I have other skills. I have other skills, but there are some people who really just, I'm learning just genuinely don't need that amount of movement or hydration or whatever 
else um, care. It doesn't take as much self care, which is, mm-hmm. you know, the name of your book. It doesn't take as much self care for some people as others. But I guess back to my very broad question, but I wonder what, I think it does um, matter why you do what you do. Why do you work so hard to be present for this education, for this, for this book, for your, for your um, patients? Like you could just be chaotic. Like you could, why not? You know, what is that? What is the thing inside of you that, um, is it ambition? No, it's because of my kids. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. I, I think that I, I, so I am also married to someone whose brain is just very grid based and analytical and he reads contracts all days long. He's an attorney. And just like that, I, like I marvel at how are you going through discovery? How are you doing? That is so boring to me. I could never, I could never. Boring feels like painful to me. Boring. Does it feel like it feels actually physically uncomfortable for me? That's an ADHD thing. Yeah. (laughs) Again, it's a low dopamine state. So you, Uh, it's, you're, you're very uncomfortable. And so that's why your brain is seeking things that you can do that's stimulating. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I, I think that I show up and I, I present this way because I feel like I want to model behavior for my children so they don't have to flounder as much. And when I do have these kind of ADHD moments where I have to fully tap out and I'm like, I can't do this. I want to be able to kind of show them both sides of the coin. Like, okay, you can have this and be completely burnt out in a spaz. And you can also have this and these are the kind and give them at an early age, the verbiage to talk about those two extremes so that they can understand kind of what the whole neural spectrum looks like. So I think it's important for me because for a long time, I just hung out very happily in here. <laughs> and I'm like, I I'm, I'm showing up to work. I'm doing all the stuff I need to be like, I'm getting by and it's fine. Yeah. But I think when I had kids, I was like, I want to, like, I had such a hard time trying to navigate and figure out habits. And I want to be able to instill in them good habits. So it's not as much of a struggle for them. So I, I try harder than I ever would have because when I was just married without kids, I did not care. <laughs> you didn't care. No, it's fun not to care when you get fired or like when like your friend won't talk to you anymore or like, you know, it's fun until it's not fun anymore. And I think that for for a substantial part of that, like I could get away with that because I was still like in training and I was still in medical school and I was still like, you know, it was hard, but I, I still didn't like significantly have the kind of responsibility that I do now as a clinician and as a parent. Like, I think as soon as that happened, I was like, Oh, you're the adult. Right. Like you have to be the, Yeah, I have to be more conscious and cognizant of how I present myself and how I manage my symptoms because it's impacting other people, not just myself. I felt like in med school, it didn't really impact, which is dumb. I probably did impact tons of people, but, but more, it didn't impact it in the way that it is now. No, I mean, your impact on peers and, you know, teachers is like, okay, it's, it's real, but it's not the same as your own children. Yeah, but I made and my now parents miserable. <laughs> What'd you say? I made my parents miserable. Oh, I made my parents miserable. But, uh, but they, but like, I don't think they knew at the time 
how to support me. And I do think that the children make our, like we were talking about being three and being four. I think children make their parents miserable because they're trying to communicate something. It might not be like that as deep as I have an ADHD neurodivergent experience. And like, I need your help. It could just be like, I don't really want to have a baby, you know, sibling, or I wanted toast. I didn't want eggs. But either way, I think a child is trying to express like, hey, I need help when they're quote unquote misbehaving. Mm -hmm. At least that was the experience for me. I don't know. Maybe you're just trying to give your parents a hard time. What do you think? I don't know. I, I, I would, I would love to say that it was just like me trying to say that I needed help, but like this was well into my adulthood and I was an ass. <laughs> I like constantly feel bad. Like I'll call my mom and I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> She's like, you're fine. <laughs> um, but like, I, I think that, uh, and maybe there's some truth to that because I think when I was kind of acting out, I just didn't, I, and I'm not even like not acting out in a way that I, would be like consistently problematic, but in ways where I'm like, I know I should be studying. My parents are kind of relying on me to do, they're paying so much money for me to Uh go to school, do this stuff. And I can't get it together. So I'm going to go to a concert. Like I knew in my brain, I'm like, this is a terrible idea, but I like, that's what was stimulating. And that's what I I was so beat down by school that I was like, "I, I cannot, I do not even have the presence of mind to show up for this. I I mean, I would, if, if I were to talk to young Sasha, I'd say you're trying to regulate. Yeah. I mean, yes. And I think that's true. It's not like we're like trying to hurt people for sport. No. No. That one time. (laughs) Just that once. Yeah. Then then never again. Yeah. No, no. Just (laughs) until that other time. Um, (laughs) Okay. So I know we don't have much time because you actually have a, a, another appointment um i did want to just touch on your visit to the white house yes it was so cool it was so awesome it was so awesome um i don't like life happened really quickly after that and i don't even fully know if i've processed it myself but but i got involved in um because of like my social media stuff i got involved in like this healthcare leaders on social media where we and essentially this amazing um just round table of other practitioners that are working to talk and discuss about policy and so t- i mean technically it's not even like a white house program it's just where you're taking policy and you're finding ways to break it down and disseminate it to the public in a way that's like actually usable because there's so much policy and I've never been like I don't know how to read policy I don't know and I don't care about policy until it actually like immediately affects me so I think this was a really interesting way of of understanding and because I don't think you get any sort of education about that in healthcare so I thought that was really interesting and then one thing kind of led into the other and then you know one of the things that is a crisis right now is just healthcare burnout I, yeah. I think everywhere burnout everywhere burnout but like people who take care of others um i i think in healthcare and teaching and all those things but they were focusing on healthcare just like what an epidemic it was that that you know people are just tired after covid you are like the healthcare team just got their asses kicked so just yeah. they so it has been so, so problematic and that has become kind of at the forefront 
um, of one of the initiatives of the Surgeon General and the Vice President. And so they were giving a talk at um, Children's Hospital. And because I've talked about healthcare burnout, they asked if I wanted to come talk. And that was on like a Thursday. And then I like, they were like, okay, well, you have to present a speech because you're going to introduce the Surgeon General. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then that, I mean, I would like, I sent them the speech and then I had to get vetted. And then I was there on Monday. So it was just like, it all happened really fast. I still don't know what happened. I, I can't even look at the footage. Like I posted I some stuff. Was it I, bad? It was really great. It was really great. I feel like there was at one point I like fully, like I was up there. I knew what I was supposed to do. Then halfway through the thing, I was like, <laughs> what yeah, I well, I, you know, I'm trained. I'm trained as an actor, so like, I really, I really know that experience a lot. And it just, uh, to me, it read like you uh, got choked up. Like it was, it, it, it did get choked up because it's true. Like it has been hard for. It, we all know that it's been hard for parents. It's been really hard for teachers and for healthcare providers. Mm -hmm. I cannot imagine you just had a baby and then you just sat and like listened to other people navigate the pandemic and you're like no I literally have a baby like <laughs> tiny little per and another little person and there were so many people like that I'm sure yeah who were privileged enough to have the tools to mm, help other people but you're still a human being yeah I loved the talk oh good I'm so glad that you got that 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 they're doing something about it I mean I hope they're yeah. doing something about it they are. And I think that honestly, just having like the experience, like, so we took a tour through Dell, uh, not Dell. We took the, a tour through children's national, um, hospital and like they, it was really amazing to, and I, like, I wasn't really involved in this part. I was just kind of watching everything because no one's coming to see me, but the, I was walking through and like the way that they were, you know, the surgeon general and vice president, I mean, they took time and they like, anyone who was in the hallway, they would talk to them. They would speak to them. They would see what was going on. Like, is this, like, I've never had through training, through medical school, through any of that. I've never had any of my higher ups ask if I was okay. Wow. So to have the vice president and surgeon general and people who are in charge of policy coming to you, looking at the, at, like at one point when I was interviewing afterwards, um, vice president Harris was talking to me, I <laughs> like start actively crying and i'm like this is weird suck it back into your not eyes weird. Not, weird. <laughs> not weird you're also a person that's the other that's the crazy that's the crazy oh. part I, there was the surgeon general says um in one of your interviews like healthcare workers have been treated poorly by the their patients have been mm -hmm. have suffered verbal abuse you know like i think we may forget and something that i love about your account and your um forthcoming book which is available for pre-order wink -wonk, um, <laughs> is that you come at it from a human perspective. You're like, I also struggle with this and mm -hmm. I master it some days and I don't others. And I, I think that that human perspective, you're just a person, you're a professional, you're board certified. I like, I, you know, like you're board certified, you're a psychiatrist, you have credentials, but at the end of the day, you're a human being. Mm -hmm. And that, that like is a real solvent for all the work that you're putting out in, in, you know, in the public from my perspective. Oh, I love here. I like, see, I'm tearing up again. I'm unhinged. <laughs> you're, a, you're a person. I think, I think doctors forget like you're, you know, 
You're it's also a, a person <laughs> also I think, on the planet doing, doing your best, just like the rest of us. You're not just like in service to other people. I know. And it's something that you forget, because I think that when you get into this level of training and service of others, like that's all you want to do. Like you want to help others. And then, but if you're not taking care of yourself and if you're not safeguarding yourself from some of these things, you just can't do it anymore. And you get burnt out and then you like have to take a lot of time away. And so I think that, I don't know, it's just always a struggle finding that middle ground. But I think that's like part of this. I think everybody struggles with that. That's not just, I mean, it's definitely not just an ADHD thing. I think that's what we're all dealing with. It's like the collective trauma of the pandemic. I mean, we're all tired of this. We're tired of going through all of this experience and being away from family and being constantly traumatized by new strains. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. And also we need people. We need to, if therapy teaches us anything, it's that we need eye contact, we need to like b- literally breathe the same air as another human being who is offering you compassion and, and an open ear. That's like what the whole point of community is. That's part of the, the bliss of life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that we've uh, all, all missed out on. Yeah. I know you have, um, I think, I think you have an appointment and I, I want to be respectful of your time <laughs> um, and say uh, thank you. You're so Thank welcome. You so so much. Anytime. If there's anything I missed here, would you would you give us a, a 30 second of you know anything you wanted to add? Just so um, um I, don't, I really don't that? think you missed anything. And I think we were both like, I don't know, we were all over the place. But I think if I were to say one thing about ADHD that I think would resonate with your audience, because I've also deep dived into your episodes and things like that. Um cool. and and love love, love the whole concept of this, um, of just like a, a, of just like a neutral judgment-free place, which is like a lovely little safe haven on the internet. But like, if I were to talk about ADHD for that specific population who might be listening, I would tell people that it, it, like, it's okay to have ADHD. Like, that's not, I mean, it's not something that it, I know that it is stigmatized and a lot of people carry that with them, but there are a lot of people that have ADHD and that manage it. And you don't necessarily need to be on medication. You can manage it even without medication. So the best thing you can do is educate yourself. And so starting with things like this, where you're educating yourself and opening your eyes and your ears to the possibility that a diagnosis like this could exist and then deep diving into it, just be, just be mindful about, your resources on the internet. Make sure it's a reputable person, a reputable source. Yeah. You know, I um, am really sensitive to stimulants, so I don't take um, anything. And um, But I do take your advice around drinking water. Mm-hmm. Setting alarms is kind of annoying for me. I get annoyed. annoying. And that annoying feeling is like, because of the, the emotional dysregulation, I'm like, annoyance! Ugh! Girl, I get it. Yeah, but anyway, it, but there are ways to manage, to manage and to, to wrap your arms around this experience. If it makes you feel any better uh, as a possibility kind of coming up in the future, I'm literally right now, and I've actually never said this out loud before, so my sister's going to be mad at me because she's working on this with me. Um. I am working on an app right now, a comprehensive app for like 
task breakdown, task management, time tracking, and like with educational modules about ADHD so that it like for people who need that kind of behavioral support, they have that. And because uh, I find alarms kind of annoying too, but I need them. We need them, right? We And we can withstand annoyance. We're not, we're not going to die. I mean, I mean, that's what they say at least. Um, I just love you and thank you. I can't wait for your book. Congratulations on the White House. Oh, I will see you, you on the interwebs. <laughs> I, I, I wait with bated breath for your next TikTok or Yay. Instagram reel. Just so the audience um, knows, where can we find you on Instagram? Yeah. So my handle on Instagram and TikTok is the psych doctor MD and doctor is D-O-C-T-O-R. But if you type in Sasha Hamdani, it'll come up too. Um, On YouTube, it's Sasha Hamdani. Um, Yeah, that's it. You can type me on Amazon or Barnes and Noble to find the book. Great. I don't know. You'll find me. I'm there. <laughs> you'll, yeah, you'll you'll find her. She's there. She's prolific. Yeah. She's totally in service. <laughs> She's inspired by her babes, which is pretty yeah. cool. Yes. Um, you're making the world a better place. Thank you I so hope much. So. Of course. Of course. Thank you, you for having the world me. a better place. So oh. <laughs> well then Check. life achieved. Yeah. <laughs> um, have a great day. Yes, I'll see you guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks. <laughs>